learning about all of these things and making sure our processes were in place. And so we successfully delivered the product and got great feedback. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, I'm welcoming the show, Samantha Cox. She is the founder of Flouse. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chase. I'm super excited. I'm excited to chat too. So for those that are not unfamiliar with Flouse, uh, can we talk about the types of products you guys are bringing to market these days? Yes. So we are the world's first electric flosser. So think of it like an electric toothbrush, but for flossing. I love that idea. Um, so take me back in time. Where did this idea come from? Yeah, great question. So um, I am originally from Southern California. I went to USC for undergrad, and then I went straight through to NYU Law, got my JD, and then came back to LA, and I was working doing mergers and acquisitions at a massive law firm called Skadden. So really going you know, down the, the lawyer route, um, invested a lot of time and money and, and effort into that. and. I was about uh, three years into my practice and I had that dreaded dentist appointment notification pop up of like, you have a dentist appointment in a week. And at the time I was an amazing twice a day toothbrusher with my electric toothbrush, but a horrible flosser. So about a week leading up to the appointment, I was like, you know, I, I got to start flossing. So that when I got in the dentist chair and she asked, have you been flossing? My answer would be yes. And right away, of course, she knew I was a liar. There was blood everywhere. I ended up leaving with nine cavities and a $5,000 dental bill. So really, really bad. And I came home and I thought, I hate flossing, but I know how important it is to do. But I didn't like putting my fingers in my mouth, how long it took, how painful it was, how gross. And I thought, well, I love my electric toothbrush why don't I go buy an electric flosser? I could just do it for me. And I actually went online to go purchase one and was shocked to discover nothing like this existed. So that was really the, the first, um, th that was the origination of the idea. And then over the course of the following weeks, I was talking to my friends and family and colleagues at the firm. And that's when I realized, wow, flossing is a massive pain point for most people. I mean, it's a shameful thing to admit that you don't floss, but, um, only 30% of Americans claim to floss daily. So, you know, you're definitely in the majority if you're someone that kind of dreads doing it. And what year was this? Yeah. So I originally came up with the idea in 2019. So four years ago, um, I stayed at the firm while working on Flouse for a year and a half. And then we launched, a, I launched a very successful Indiegogo campaign in April of 2021. So nearly two years later. And that was really like the public stake in the ground where I knew I couldn't be at the firm when this thing went live. So that really pushed me to leave my career as a lawyer and go all in on flowers. Awesome. Awesome. I want to dive into kind of a, a few things there. So um, you have this idea for an electric toothbrush. You realize that it doesn't exist on the market and you get some kind of consensus from potential customers like, hey, this might be a good idea. How does it go from like an idea in your head to like a physical thing you can try? Yeah. So of course, at the time, there was no other electric flosser on the market. So it 
you're really starting from scratch. And so um, what I originally did was, um, you know, just kind of hacking it together with an electric toothbrush and then a floss pick and attaching those two and just seeing like, you know, do these vibrations make a difference? Does the ergonomic handle make it easier? And just things that are really basic to what makes an electric toothbrush so much better than a manual toothbrush, but applying that to floss. And that was my first proof of concept was just putting together my favorite electric toothbrush with a floss pick on top. And I was like, okay, this actually helped. Um, and then from that point, um, before I decided to go and invest any money in starting Flouse, you know, obviously as a lawyer, you're quite risk averse. And I had already invested a lot of money in being, becoming a lawyer. So for me to be like, all right, 180 into oral care, I wanted to make sure that I was pursuing something that would, would have traction. And so before I invested a single dollar, I went and I actually ran a survey monkey. Um, I sent it out to about 600, I had 600 participants across the US. It was a 15 question survey. I was asking them about their current flossing habits, um, what they like about flossing, what they don't like about flossing. And then I gave a two sentence high, like high level summary of this idea. And it was essentially like, would you buy this? And I remember when I submitted the survey to go out to the respondents, I thought, you know, I'm just going to let the data speak to me wherever it ends up, no matter what. And the data was so extremely positive. It was like, yes. And, I, and that's where I really discovered, wow, okay, flossing is a massive pain point. So once I got that validation, I then went and turned around and found an engineer off of Google. Google's like your best friend when you're just trying to figure things out. Um, I went and found an engineer and then I went and I sourced two dentists to help me. And that really like got it going. And I probably went through about, gosh, uh, at least close to 500 3D printed prototypes of the product, just putting it in so many people's mouths, iterating and honing and honing and honing. And so it was definitely a very uh, interesting and challenging, but also a very exciting process because I've, you know, from lawyer, lawyer to oral care founder. Absolutely. Where did you find those first uh, 600 survey participants? Yeah, so SurveyMonkey is incredible. They offer that as a service. So um, it was it cost me about a thousand dollars to launch the survey, and they have, I guess, just a huge audience of people that sign up to do these. They'll get a little gift card, of course. You know, that's a certain type of customer demographic that's willing to take these surveys. But I just thought, you know what? What is the scrappiest, easiest way that I could prove out this concept? And one of the most interesting things that came out of that survey, aside from the validation, which by the way, we have only seen time and time again since that moment, was that was actually the first time one of my hypotheses was disproven. So I originally started Flouse as a non-flosser, thinking, you know, I'm going to help other non-flossers start flossing. And what we actually found in the data, and again, which has been um, validated time and time again, is that while of course this was very appealing for non-flossers, what we actually found is our most avid customer was the daily flosser. It was the person that was already doing it. We didn't have to invest in education about why flossing is important and they just wanted a quicker, easier, better way to do it. So that was actually exciting because I think when you're starting something so innovative, there is a an education curve and education is very expensive as well as behavior change, which is one of the most expensive things you can do. And so to find that actually our lowest hanging fruit are people that are already doing this. 
that was a really exciting finding because we're like, okay, this is a core demographic we can easily tap into while we ride off the coattails of the millions of dollars of marketing and education that Oral-B and Colgate are already doing in the space. Absolutely. So you go through 500 plus uh, iterations of the concept of the prototype, and then you land on something for you know the first, the first one. Talk to me about launching your Indiegogo, what goes into that, uh, and kind of how that turned out. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, going into consumer electronic hardware, it is definitely more on a, a more capital intensive than maybe some other consumer product spaces and especially in, in the tech space. And so, um, I invested close to a hundred thousand dollars of my own savings into Flaus, um, basically my entire savings into Flaus, but then I still needed more capital. And so I had to go out and I had to fundraise while I was still at Skadden. But it was interesting because the feedback I was getting was, you know, initially just my survey results were enough and my little like 3D render of the product. But then certain investors were like, well, I want to see that people are willing to put down their credit card for this. And it's like, wait, I don't even have a product. I don't have anything manufactured. What? Who's going to buy this? And so I went back and forth on whether I should launch a pre a pre order campaign on my own website or a crowdfunding campaign on a Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And I decided to go with an Indiegogo after it was a very methodical, strategic decision. So. The reason I ended up doing a crowdfunding campaign and specifically an Indiegogo campaign is, is for a couple of reasons. One, um, a lot of these crowdfunding backers are serial backers. This is like what they enjoy doing. They like being involved with innovative products. So they also recognize that they're getting in on the ground level of something. And typically the first version of a product, it, it's not the perfect version of the product. Whereas a direct consumer customer um, there's a lot less room for error. They're expecting to get a great product. So I knew that I had a bit more flexibility and leeway with these initial backers of going with Indiegogo. Also, we hadn't even started the manufacturing process. We were still in the engineering phase. And so again, with direct consumer customers, it's a lot more difficult trying to justify why it's going to take a nine month, 12 month delay to get the product you just paid for versus on Indiegogo. It's very much understood. That's just how it goes. So it became very obvious to me that, okay, Indiegogo is, is the right audience for us. It's the right direction. And so from there, I went both on Indiegogo and Kickstarter and I looked at products in similar verticals. So I went, I looked at electric toothbrushes. I looked at electric razors, things that were, of course, there's no other electric flosser, but things that were in similar verticals. And I went and I found the most successful campaigns and I tried to identify the patterns. Of course, there's always patterns with these things. And so as I was analyzing the pages, what I realized was the most successful campaigns nearly every single one worked with a crowdfunding marketing agency, which I didn't even know these existed at the time, but these are marketing agencies that are specialized in the very unique funnel of crowdfunding. Um, and so I interviewed the top five that I found and I ended up selecting my partner rain factory. Um, and it was one of the best decisions I made. I mean, it was a lot of work, but one of the things with doing a crowdfunding campaign is that, it's been around now for 15 years. So it's hyper saturated. And a lot of these backers have been burned before. So you have to make sure that not only are you creating a very convincing campaign, you have that FOMO momentum going into it, but also, um, 
making sure that you have appropriate transparency and communication with your customers and these backers. And there's so many unique aspects that you don't typically experience when you're just launching on your own website. And it was incredible. We did $360,000 of pre-orders in six weeks. We finished in the top 1% of Indiegogo campaigns ever. So it was very, very successful. And it really just provided the validation and momentum for me to get to my next milestone with the business. That's amazing. Can you talk to me a little bit about how Rain Factory helped you acquire and reach out to those new customers? I know that the marketing element behind uh, these crowdfunding campaigns is massive and crucial to their success. So if you can share anything there, I think our listeners would love it. Oh, absolutely. So this is one of the reasons why it's very beneficial to go with a crowdfunding agency like Rain Factory. So Again, this audience is very, very unique. And Rain Factory has been doing this, I believe, gosh, I think 12 years now, 12 to 10 years. So they have been, and this was this was all happening in 2021. So before the iOS 14 rollouts where we could still be collecting this different data, they had these huge lookalike audiences of other people who had invested in historical Indiegogo crowdfunding campaigns. So, and again, these people are serial backers. Um, it's like, for example, if I got an ad for Flouse and I clicked it, let's say on Instagram, I clicked it. If it took me to an Indiegogo campaign, I know personally for myself, I would drop off. I'd be like, I've never backed something like this. I don't know what this is. That's why it's really important that in, with these crowdfunding agencies is that they're tapped into this already very primed audience who like to participate. So what they do is that they helped us establish a email click, an email waitlist landing page about eight weeks before the campaign. And we collected about 9,000 email leads. It was very, very, um, and we just, again, it was all a traffic conversion campaign and it was great, very uh, efficient for us. And we collect these 9,000 email leads. We sent them a survey. We had 2,500 responses on the survey identifying what are the most important features you're looking for? Pricing, all of the things you need to know to really hone and lock in that crowdfunding campaign. And so we did that. And then as we got ready to launch the campaign, we then kept warming up this email list so that when we went live, we then had this momentum going in where we were fully funded. Our funding goal, I believe, was maybe thirty dollars or $40,000, we are fully funded in three hours. And that's really important with a crowdfunding campaign. It's all about that momentum. And it goes like, so the crowdfunding campaign goes like this on the first, like let's say the first three days or four days, and then it slowly goes down. And then in the last week of the campaign, it goes back up. So they really help like grease the wheels so that you have a really successful shootout. And the more successful your shootout and your launch is, Indiegogo will then put you on their home screen and things like that. So it's kind of a flywheel effect. And um, I mean, I, I don't, I would not have been able to execute it with such uh, strategic perfection without working with a crowdfunding marketing agency. They, they really know what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, there's a method to the mayhem of getting those things to launch the right way. And also uh, just expectation setting, right? They're totally. there to be like, this is what you should expect. This is how it's going to work. Yes. Uh, you know, you see that thing go down that valley. You're like, well, this is it, I guess. No, there's yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, oh, this is it. Here we go. And yeah, and also too, setting the expectation that you go is so a hearing. You know, we're top one percent of campaigns ever, and we did three hundred sixty thousand dollars. I mean, initially, I was like, oh, that doesn't really sound like that much because you can go find campaigns that are in the millions of dollars. But then you kind of 
as with this whole journey, you kind of see behind the curtains and you see how the sausage is made. And you're like, there is a, so much money and effort that has to go in to driving any, like any sort of campaign that big, like that doesn't just happen like off of virality. Like that is a really, really like honed in process. Hey there, merchant. Are you tired of trying to navigate the wild world of e-commerce on your own? Are you looking for a partner to help you achieve your goals? Look no further than the Shopify Plus agency, Electric Eye. Our team has a proven track record of helping our clients make millions with strategic design and development. Whether you're migrating from a legacy platform to Shopify, designing a new theme for your store, or just looking to optimize what you already have, Electric Eye is the perfect partner for you. Electric Eye are true Shopify experts. Not only is our Shopify knowledge unparalleled, but we have partnerships with all the best tech in the Shopify ecosystem. And don't worry, we're easy to get a hold of. Our clients rave about our fast communication. So here's the deal. If you're an e-commerce business doing over $1 million a year, you can receive a complimentary Shopify diagnostic from our team of experts. That's free, personalized strategic recommendations to improve your store and grow your business. To get started, head on over to electriceye.io slash connect to schedule an intro call with one of our experts. That's electriceye.io slash connect. Are you tired of your cash flow being tied up in inventory that takes ages to arrive from China? How many times have you missed out on potential sales during peak season due to inventory delays? Well, here's some news that might just change the game for you. Imagine increasing your lead time by 10x without ordering inventory in advance, reducing your inventory risk by over 66%, and enjoying three times better cash flow. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, with Portless, this dream can become a reality. In the unpredictable world of inventory projections and holiday rushes, Portless is your reliable partner. They ship your products directly from China to your customers, keeping you stocked without the burden of additional storage fees. Say goodbye to the hassle of ordering inventory in advance. With Portless, you have access to factory MOQs and can replenish fast-moving products in just three to five days. Capitalize on demand, eliminate wastage, and get your precious inventory ready for sale within two to four days of manufacturing. Manufacturing, no more waiting 45 to 60 days for cargo ship arrivals. Shipping to over 55 countries from their fulfillment center in China, Portless ensures your customers enjoy a seamless domestic experience with six day shipping and last mile tracking from trusted carriers like USPS, Royal Mail, and Canada Post. The best part? It's cost effective. Portless helps you improve your gross margins by up to 40% thanks to Section 321 eliminating fees and costs associated with traditional fulfillment options. Not only that, Portless ensures your products reach your customers on time while retaining the full domestic experience. Your customers can conveniently track their orders and you get to keep the custom packaging they love. If you sign up before March 30th and mention this podcast, Honest E-Commerce, you'll get 20 cents off your pick and pack fees for every order for the first three months. That means if you're doing 10,000 orders a month, that's $2,000 a month in total savings, $6,000 for your first three months. But remember, you have to contact Portless before March 30th to get this deal. Ready to revolutionize your inventory and fulfillment process? Visit portless.com today and let them help you with your inventory and fulfillment needs. Today's episode is sponsored by IntelliGems, the ultimate A-B testing and profit optimization platform for Shopify merchants. You're investing tons of time and money to drive traffic to your store. But are you doing everything you can to convert that traffic into profits? With IntelliGems, you can stop guessing and start making strategic decisions. IntelliGems platform enables you to A-B test everything from themes to pricing so you can understand what makes your customers tick and click. 
Whether you're tweaking your UX, testing prices and offers, or trying out different shipping rates, IntelliGems provides real-time insights that can directly influence your store's profitability. Join the ranks of over 1,000 Shopify stores that are already maximizing their potential with IntelliGems. Setup is quick, and the results are undeniable. If you're not experimenting, you're leaving money on the table. It's that simple. Elevate your e-commerce strategy today. Visit IntelliGems.io slash HonestEcommerce and use code HonestEcommerce for 10% off your first month. You can also find IntelliGems on the Shopify App Store and get a 7-day free trial. So you guys have a successful Indiegogo campaign. Uh, you raise some great money. I'm assuming you take that back and you get some investment. Talk to me what happens after you know you go public with this and you get such great reception and you get people buying into the product. Yeah, it was amazing. It set off the fundraising wave for me. So um, I was able to do my first pre-seed. I did $2 million pre-seed, all family and friends, which was amazing. Um, and so that then went all towards the manufacturing process. And keep in mind, this is 2021. So we are like peak COVID. I'm not able to go over to China to meet the manufacturers. People are scared to put the device in their mouth, like as we're trying to hone it in. It, it was an experience. And so we went straight into manufacturing and production. And then in November, it took us about over over a year to fully produce the product and deliver it. And we delivered um, all 4,500 units to over 50 countries. Um, over half of Indiegogo's audience is international. So it's kind of interesting because most direct consumer companies will start US and then go abroad. We started going international and now we're focused US. Um, and so that was, it really forced us to get our logistics set up to make sure we were in lockstep with our 3PL. Um, also to um, just the uh, customer communications and the cadence of it and being very transparent and forthcoming and everything like that. And so I felt like it was an amazing like trial period for actually hard launching the brand. It was learning about all of these things and making sure our processes were in place. And so we successfully delivered the product and got great feedback. Um, you know, of course, it's a version one. It was a beta product. So it, it, we definitely had some improvements to make as well. So our thought process was it's going to take us another 12 months to get to Flaus 2, which is our hard launch product. Let's use this time to just do customer focus groups, customer surveys, interviews, learn as much as we can from the customer experience using the product so that we can roll it into the next iteration. And, you know, it's just so incredible to see what a massive improvement we've been able to make over the last year. And um, I also we also brought on some really strategic investors such as Yeti Capital, um, the founder of Youth to the People, Halo Top, Theragun. I brought on some really, really amazing consumer product hardware founders um, to help me be able to reach these different milestones. Because, again, it was, I'm a first time founder doing something that I'm, I'm totally outside my wheelhouse. Let's talk about the pivot from crowdfunding to you know building that direct consumer market here in America, as you said, you started to focus in here in the states. Um, what's the difference? You know, how are you finding these customers now and not doing a crowdfunding campaign? Like, what's the marketing look like these days? 
Yeah, definitely. So, oh gosh, we, we learned so much from that period and we've been able to utilize those findings and those survey results. I mean, I'm so data driven. I think you have to pay attention to the number. The proof is in the pudding always. And so being able to rely on those 2,500 respondents and even the surveys we've done after the fact has all funneled into our marketing and our website and everything that the brand looks like today. And Right now we're focused direct to consumer. We're relying purely on Meta and Google. And, you know, we feel like we don't need to diversify yet. We have definitely enough room to grow. I mean, it's a massive market opportunity. Um, but we've definitely been focusing more on learning more about our customer audiences. So with Indiegogo, Indiegogo was very much the tech explorer audience. It, it leaned heavily male. Most personal care items lean female. So that was kind of an interesting um, mix up there. And so we've discovered four really interesting audiences that we're still learning more about. But one is our tech explorers, skew male, millennial, into tech gadgets, all the coolest things. We then have our plugged in professionals. They skew female, older millennial. Um, they're into optimizing their, their personal wellness routines. They're investing in them. They're the Peloton buyers of the world. Um, we then have our dental professionals who um, are trying to do anything they can to get their patients to actually floss. We get a lot of inbound organic interest from dental professionals. And then finally, we have a very interesting audience. Um, and who we call our banging boomers. It's um, a more senior audience. They are in the throes of oral care problems and they have fine motor dexterity issues. So whether it's from arthritis, cerebral palsy, MS, um, carpal tunnel, that actually makes traditional flossing, floss string and floss picks physically impossible to use. So that's been a really interesting audience. So kind of the challenge we're facing now challenge in the most positive way is trying to understand how can our brand flex in different ways for these different audiences? Because of course you don't want to be everything to everyone, but now with the power of um, targeting, especially with meta, you know, you have certain ads that are focused more on this bang and boomer audience. And we're trying to make sure we're then funneling them to a landing page that's focused on things that are important to them, the ergonomics, um, making it easier, making it quicker, things that we know are really important. And um, so that's been a very kind of an interesting dynamic. And then looking ahead, it's like, you know, expanding our distribution model. I mean, I, we're not going to stay direct to consumer forever, you know, whether it's Amazon or retail, uh, B2B, a B2B to C play of just getting into just dental offices in general. And so it's really exciting, but I'm trying to do my best to stay as focused as possible because there's still so much room to grow on Meta and Google. We've just scratched the surface. Oh, I cannot like parrot what you just said so much. I see so many young brands start to diversify their spend away from what is working. And I'm like, you guys haven't even reached you know, the point of no return yet. Like, Just keep doubling down and doubling down on what is working. Why noodle around and fail at other things when this thing's working? Just pour more gas on that fire. Oh my gosh. And I think that's the hard part is that there's so many pundits out there. Like if you go to like D to C, CBG, Twitter, I mean, and it, I always have to remind myself whenever, or even LinkedIn, I'm reading these things. 
especially for other founders listening, it's so important to contextualize and remember that a lot of these people have never operated a business themselves. So they've just been in agents, they've been at other companies, but they never actually have been an operator. And it's so much easier said than done. And I think it's really easy to get distracted by the next shiny thing that's happening. It's like, okay, TikTok shops, we need to go there. But it's like, that that is an entire distribution channel in and of itself like you have to make sure you're locked and loaded that's not something you can just like throw up and so it's really i totally agree just trying to stay focused and my mentors um yeti capital i would say they are one of the biggest proponents of being like stay focused i'm like i want to do color skews i want to do different flavors of floss and they're like don't complicate the logistics and the skews you still have so much room with this one product just focus on that. Absolutely, Samantha. Now, you shared so much amazing stuff with us so far. Is there anything I forgot to ask you about that you think would resonate with our audience? Yeah, I think that something um, something that I would mention is, you know, having to build a consumer product brand, particularly hardware electronics during this time is definitely challenging, especially being a more capital intensive business because I have had to fundraise and it is a bit of a scary time and we're out we're out of the glory days of D2C for sure. But for anyone that's listening that's feeling, you know, maybe a little disheartened or disillusioned with what's going on, I what I'm finding is that building during this period has been such a a blessing in the sense that everyone is so focused on making sure that you actually the business fundamentals are there so that and that's a win-win because eventually you won't have to rely on anyone else's money and really if you're having to pay people to buy your product maybe the product's not as good as you're hoping it is and so i really feel like this period albeit very challenging is a really exciting time to be building because it's really forcing the the good companies to rise to the top. And so I I'm I'm excited about that. And I hope that maybe that can help shift some people's perceptions about what's going on. Cause I know it's kind of like doom and gloom on everything I'm saying. And I'm like, no, this is a good thing. It's a good thing to be building a healthy business and that you're actually profitable. Like that's how the fact we got away from that and it was like scale at all costs is it, just wild. So yeah, I think it's a good thing. Oh, that's amazing, Samantha. Now, if I'm listening to this and I want to go check out the product, where should I go? Yes. Okay. Go check us out at um, goflaus.com. So G-O-F-L-A-U-S.com. Um, you'll find us on our website. We are an amazing gifting product. Um, we have some really fun bundles and, and stuff and swag as well. So definitely check us out online and keep an eye out for us. We're definitely going to be popping up in some other really exciting places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io. Until next time.